Hey, y'all. Welcome to another episode of the Philadelphia Millennial Podcast. Man, I can't believe we are halfway through the year. I can't believe summer is winding down, honestly, even though it feels like it just started. But that's neither here nor there. So, you know, before I pop in with my regular shenanigans, that I always, always, always educate you guys. It's funny, on my spiritual gifts test that I took, um, I recommend all of you take it. Just type in spiritual gifts test. Um, administrator and teacher always are like neck and neck for me. But I never had the desire to teach in a traditional classroom. But anywho, today's topic is about none other than my councilwoman, Councilwoman Sherelle Parker, over the 9th District of Philadelphia. And the dope thing that I want to highlight about Sherelle is that Sherelle was actually... Um, the youngest African-American woman ever elected to the Pennsylvania House of Representatives. So before she was a councilwoman, she actually was a state rep. And I just think it's so important um, representation and for black women, especially and black people, just being able to identify uh, with with people in certain places that sometimes we feel like we don't belong in. And truth be told, even though we don't always vocalize that we feel like we don't belong in a space, how we act and how we approach that space kind of tells it all that we don't feel confident that we should be there. So I say all of that to say that for a great deal of my youth, all of my uh, politicians in my area were all African-American women. Uh, Marion Tasco was the state representative before Sherelle and then went on to city council. And then Sherelle became state representative and now is my city council person. So since really before 2005, as that's when Sherelle was elected, you know, my example of politicians was African-American women. So I think that had a part to play in me thinking and being so bold to work in politics and to quit a corporate job one time to work on a political campaign. That's a whole different story for a different time and what I learned about that. But I just wanted to highlight Councilwoman Sherelle Parker uh, just because she's dope. And I honestly, honestly, honestly hope and think that she's going to be Philadelphia's first African-American woman mayor. But that's neither here nor there. Um, I think that would be super, 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 super dope. But we don't know. But I do know the councilwoman personally, and she's a God-fearing woman. Um, so I just know that the Lord will direct her where he sees her fit. So that is my Black History, Philadelphia Black History fact for today. And I think it's kind of dope, and it makes sense that I talked about Sherelle because today's episode is entitled The Art of Not Giving Up. And that is really <laughs> Sherelle's life to hear her story is she just never gave up regardless of what hurdles were placed in her way, what obstacles she had to jump over. She never gave up. But the art of not giving up. So while we are talking about politics, I'm going to be very, very transparent. So if you want to be nosy, I honestly suggest that you continue listening to my podcast because I will probably be more truthful and vulnerable 
and open here than I will on any other platform unless you know me personally. So <laughs> the art of not giving up, right? All right. <laughs> so here is my personal take on that. Uh, I was ready to throw in the towel on entrepreneurship about five months ago. Um, I felt like I had got to a dead end. Um, truth be told, I was tired of hustling. And I became envious of my friends that could go to a job and clock in. And if they didn't feel their best, if they didn't give 100%, whatever, they still came with a paycheck at the end of two weeks. And though there's really no security in this world, and there's definitely not any job security, I began to be envious of getting a paycheck every two weeks, even though if I worked hard enough, I could get a paycheck every day. I could invoice people every day. I could collect money every day. But I just got tired. Um, I didn't know kind of how I wanted to revamp my business. I tried to... Um, I bought into a lot of materials and courses that did help, but they weren't working at the time because I really wasn't putting in the work too. So shout out to Emily De La Cruz and the Profit Planner. Um, and I literally went through it twice and half-assed revamped my business and was just like, oh my gosh, I need, I just don't know which way I want to go. I didn't want to just do social media. I didn't want to put in a box. And I felt like when I was in financial coaching before that I was put in a box and I just never wanted to be in a box. So I was like, to hell with all of this, I am going to get a job. Um, and that's why it's so important to keep while you are doing something in front of you, honestly, um, I had lost sight of uh, what I was doing, why I was doing it, why I was even in grad school. So I truly believe that whatever you put out there, God will match. If you want a job and you say, God, I want a job, God will put somebody in your way to kind of aid in you getting a job. And what happened was one Monday morning, I was on the campus of Temple University, and I stopped in the 7-Eleven. And it was this woman in there talking about how, you know, she went to church yesterday. She was an employee. And she was talking to this guy who you could tell was a regular. And she was like, you know, God has just um, been healing me, like my mind and body, like talking from stuff, just letting stuff go to like her knee feeling better. And, you know, I'm fixing my coffee. And for those who know me, know that I'm a little church girl. And so I'm like, dang. And I said to him, I'm like, y'all going to make me have church on a Monday, but I went to church yesterday. So we all kind of chuckled. I get in line to pay for my coffee. And the guy that she was talking to says, hey, where do you worship? So I told him that I worship at E9. And he was like, wow, you know, Pastor Waller's doing some great things over there, X, Y, and Z. Um, then we kind of get on a tangent of, um, we go from talking about church to HBCUs. And this is all in literally like three to five minutes, enough for me to pay for my coffee, him to pay for his coffee and us to walk out the store and finish this conversation. So he's like, so we get on this topic of Hampton and he was like, um, if you need any help with anything with school, um, just anything temple-wise, you know, we had a spirit-filled conversation. So he gave me his temple business card, and he gave me a business card for his church that he actually was head of, right? So I look at the card, the card, excuse me, because I'm getting excited, and this man 
is the director of like employment services for the entire university. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have been looking for a job, right? Like totally lost my mind, looking for a job. One of the things I learned in financial coaching was that the fortune is in the follow-up. So I'm really good with following up. So immediately that day or that next morning, I sent him an email telling him it was really nice to meet him. I enjoyed our conversation. It's so good to talk to, you know, Christians randomly, um, not the crazy ones, but anyway, um, and sent him my resume. Like, hey, if you know of anything that you might feel will be a good fit for me, please let me know as I'm strategically looking for employment. That's what I had fooled myself into saying and thinking. I was saying I'm strategically looking for employment. <laughs> it was all BS. So uh, it wasn't BS. It was just... <sighs> You honestly fool yourself, knowing that that's not really what you want, but it seems the easy way out. And truth be told, some of y'all might not want to hear this, but uh, God will always give you an escape route and an exit door. But that doesn't mean that you're always supposed to take it. Don't let that go over your head. Just because God has placed the exit door in a room that you're in, a dark room, doesn't mean that he really wants you to go to the exit door or that exit door. It might be multiple ones, but you get my drift. So I told him I was looking for strategic employment, right? So he emails me back immediately and is like, oh my gosh, Imani, it was great meeting you. I actually just got this job opportunity, came across my desk yesterday, and I think it would be a great match for you. So I scroll down and it's for a district representative job in Senator Art Haywood's office. Now, <laughs> why this is funny and full circle is because in 2014, I quit my, the only corporate job I had post-graduation, I quit my corporate job to work on a campaign that was actually going against Senator Art Haywood. So I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is, life is really full circle. It's really coming back around, like really thinking of, because of how I met the guy down at Temple's campus, the the conversation that we had, he emailed me back immediately with a job that was close to my house and something that I felt like I could do. And I already had a connection with the senator. I worked with the senator's wife on Obama's um, 2012 campaign. So it was just like, really, really, it was all just coming back around. So I'm like, yo, this is crazy. Like God answering prayers whole time I even realized I didn't even ask God for a job for real for real like never once had I even prayed for a job so I'm like bet like this is all that can I tell y'all that I went through like three rounds of interviews I met his chief of staff I met the office attorney I met somebody else I had an interview with but she started off in the role that I was interested in his communications coordinator was a 2010 Hampton grad. So I'm like, oh my gosh, like, this is it. This is it. So now it was only time. Everybody literally said, it's a go. The chief of staff at first was kind of hesitant, but I kind of told him what it was and he was cool. But by the time I got to the senator, 
just kind of explained to him who I was, what I was doing, and what I had done thus far. This man told me, verbatimly, our community is used to being employees. We need more of us that look like us to be employers. That's what he said to me, y'all. So translating that, he really said, no little black girl, you can't work here. You cannot take the easy way out because our community needs you. We talked about this book called The Defender, which talks about the Chicago newspaper that was actually um, started by a Hampton University student. I told him about one of my favorite books, Black Fortune. And we were supposed to exchange books, which I actually do need to circle back around with him about that and something else, um, a project that I'm working on that I think he would be interested in that some um, pretty big companies are trying to get behind. So I put a bookmark on that. But he really told me I got through all these interviews and he said no. (laughs) My state senator, who's actually my state senator, told me no. Basically, I can't hire you. He was like, I'll think about it. But I knew when he said that, that was going to be it. I ain't heard from him since. So that's one of my personal stories of the art of not giving up. Because truth be told, what happened after that? I'm like, okay, well, since it's obvious God really doesn't want me to have a job, then I'm going to have to dig deep, get in touch with why I became an entrepreneur, five years ago and decided to quit my job and not turn back. I have to think of all of those things of why I did it. I had to remind myself of my why. Um, I had to read some scriptures. I had to like get myself back in tune with my purpose and my commitment because my purpose and my commitment isn't always about me. Actually, it's seldomly about me. It is your Your commitment is seldom about you. So that was my story. <laughs> um, and since then, I have, uh, I'm working on a nonprofit that the senator um, hopefully will throw some money behind or some space or just make way for me and the children, the black children that I want to help. Um, I have relaunched my business. Uh, around that time was when I started the T-shirt collection for the Philadelphia Millennial Podcast. I have successfully relaunched my business. I have to remind myself of that again. I've gotten more clients, you know, in the last three weeks of me relaunching. I'm strategically helping my mother and my aunt open a daycare in Salem County, New Jersey. All of these things that I would not have been able to do um, if I would have gotten a job. My aunt is downgrading. We're helping her move out of her house. Um, I wouldn't be able to do all of those things. I just had a two-hour conversation with my niece today that, granted, it was unscheduled and threw off my day a little bit, but it was it was needed. So I just had to remember. So these are my little nuggets for you that I have when it comes to mastering the art of not giving up. And the first one is because you are really that close. When you really feel like you want to give up, you are that close to your breakthrough. The second thing is 
the process is the true profit, not the outcome. The process that you go through becoming and growing and reaching your goal is that's the profit. That's the goal. That's the gem. Like my growth, the ugly growth, the good growth, that's what I'm most proud about. I'm I'm proud that I can say that I felt like a piece of coal and through every trial and, and error and testimony and mistake and failure, I'm being polished and I'm shining brighter. Like people always want to get the profit. Like, oh, I want a college degree or I want this and I want that. But they don't want to put in the hard work for it at all. And they skip by not wanting to put in the hard work, by wanting to take the shortcut. You miss out on the most glorious thing, which is the process. Like the process is where character is built. The process is where you find out who's with you and who's against you, what you really made of. If God gave you everything you wanted when you wanted it, you wouldn't have been able to keep it. Trust me. The third thing I want you to remember is that the darkest part of night is before dawn. In the great words of Reverend Dr. Dr. Reverend, Reverend Dr. Allen E. Waller, because God comes first, always reminds his congregation that the darkest part of night is before dawn. A lot of people think that, you know, the darkest part is at midnight. And it's not the darkest, darkest time. It's three, four o'clock in the morning, right before the sun comes up. So apply that to your life. If it's really, really dark right now, if you've been able, if you feel like it's darker than the dark, if you feel like it's darker than it was last year, a couple months ago, even if your reference points are still dark, and you feel like it's getting darker, understand that the sun is about to come up. You just have to be patient and keep going. The fourth thing I want to leave with you all is that commitment is a covenant. Or really, I should say, if I'm going off of um, Dr. Eric Thomas, y'all should listen to him too. He talks about commitment versus covenant. Covenant is like your blood, like blood, sweat, and tears you leaving on here to get it done get it done. So a lot of the times people have commitments or commit themselves to something. And then as soon as they don't feel like it, they don't do it. And that's not commitment. Commitment is saying that you're going to do something. And then regardless of what comes up, you still do it. There have been times where I have said that I was going to do something, either show up to one of my nieces or nephew's birthday party, one of my God kids, and I don't feel like it. There's been times where I didn't feel like driving something to somebody that, like, it's been countless times. Like, I'm very involved in my church, so sometimes when I don't, I'm not scheduled or I haven't committed to be there, it's hard for me to go sometimes. But I remember that I have a commitment to myself first and foremost. And it's not a commitment. It's a covenant. Like there is nothing that can come in between me and the covenant that I have with myself to be great. I might fall sometimes, but I still know at the end of the day, I have to get up and get back on this path because I made a covenant to myself. And the truth is, if you can't keep a promise to yourself, you can't keep a promise to anybody. 
You can't keep a promise to God or the universe. You can't keep a promise to anybody. But it starts with yourself. So be committed and make some of your commitments covenants. Like they cannot be broken and will not be broken. Also, the last thing to keep in mind when it comes to commitments is that commitments aren't about you. So it was revival at my church. And last night, uh, we were revisiting our five values, our value cross. And last night, they did trustworthiness and commitment. And Pastor Waller was talking about how, like, the people that started the church in the late 1800s, how they were committed and then the people bought the building on Coulter Street in the 1930s and then start, you know, adding the, the pastor's office and the additional classrooms in the 1960s. And then how the new building was built in 2006. And he was saying how each group of those people were committed. And they were committed to getting a result, even if they couldn't reap the benefits of the result. But they knew that they were really, like, clearing the path for those in front of them. So I say that to say that, you know, it's hard sometimes. And to whom much is given, much is expected. And the crown that many of us wear is heavy. But I remember that my great-grandmother, Petro Canaday, yes, Petro, R-O-E, what she went through. And she, her first marriage before she married my great-grandfather, the man had a lot of money, but he didn't treat her nice. And she was tired of it. So she packed up my great-aunt and my great-uncle, Aunt Viv and Uncle Raymond, and she moved back to Pulaski, Virginia, where she met my great-grandfather, Charles Stewart, and they had my grandfather, Charles Stewart Jr., and that was it. But I like to think that Petro, <laughs> Grandma Petro, even before my mother was born, she knew that she wanted to be a good example to my Aunt Viv and that she would have grandchildren and she was going to have another son and that she wanted them to know that, you know, you, you don't stay around when people mistreat you and you don't have to stay around. So I like to say that because she stayed committed to that internal promise, the covenant that she had with herself, that she wasn't going to let anybody mistreat her, that it paved the way for my mother to to see how women were supposed to be treated. And then she raised her daughters the same way by picking a good mate that was good to her and her subsequent children that we would see that women aren't supposed to be mistreated by men. So I say all that to say, if you follow me, that it's not about you. So I'm making decisions and commitments now because I want to be an example. I want to be an example to Tatiana and Cameron and Autumn you know, and Jameer and Rylan of how you treat me, uh, women and, and Brian. I want them to see, and I know that the only way that they can see that is if I set the example, if I hold the standard, if they see their aunt committed, then they will lead by example. Because truth be told, they're not going to listen to half of what I say, but they will watch and try to replicate everything that I do. So remember that your commitment and your covenant is not about you. It's about those beside of you and after you. I know that if I make it in entrepreneurship, that I've gained skills that I can help other black women entrepreneurs come through the door. It ain't about you. 
Get off your blessed assurance, okay? It's not about you. It's not. But what y'all got to realize is that when you serve others, when you keep commitments, everything will work out how it's supposed to be. You will not. You will not go without. Don't know about the God that y'all serve, but the God I serve doesn't work like that. And if you call them whatever you call them, I'm not even getting into religious ties, but God is real and will supply all of your needs. Period. Um. Oh, and my last point before I get out of here, because I got stuff to do, because it took me a little bit longer to record than I would have liked. But the last point that I want to leave y'all with is that not giving up and keeping your commitment creates momentum. Yes, it does. Every time I cross something off my to-do list, I really feel like I have cleared up some mental space to do some more. After I launched, my first client paid me early. Oh, I was ready to take on the world. Like, let's go. Who needs it? Who needs this marketing work? I got it for y'all. But honestly, Com committing yourself to stuff and completing those things and upholding the covenant that you have with yourself, not only does it make you more trustworthy, but it actually, actually, actually creates more momentum for you to do other things. Part of it is called like the unconscious competent law or something like that. Like the more you do, the more confident you feel to learn more, to do more. The more you do, you feel confident to learn more and do. See the cycle? It's crazy. So repetition isn't bad. It's just what you want to repeat. But anyway, that's all I got for y'all. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Philadelphia Millennial Podcast. And be sure to tune in tomorrow for the fourth installment of the Philadelphia Millennial Podcast Marketing Edition, where we will talk about my favorite thing, placement. Placement for your business. So tell somebody to tune in if they're an entrepreneur, wanting to be an entrepreneur, Tell them to listen to some old episodes. Um, and that's it. Go buy a t-shirt at phillymillennial.com. My newest one is the Blessed Don't Beef with the Bitter. Somebody need to hear that. And um, yeah, imaniinspires.com for all your marketing needs. And that's where the link to the podcast is. Y'all be blessed. <laughs>